Hey, I'm Maria. I work at a labor union by day and write and watch too much TV by night. I like to say I've been firmly in the CW's clutches since it was a WB. As the great Seth Cohen on the OC once said about the fictional teen drama, The Valley, TV teen dramas are mind-numbing escapism. They exist in a fantasy world where 20-something hot actors are usually cosplaying high schoolers in melodramatic depictions of adolescents. But that's honestly why I love teen dramas so much. I love the tropes and the ships and the not-at-all-subtle product placement. I love the early aughts theme songs and the cameo performances by pop-punk bands. I love the newer generation of shows that are more diverse and representative of the vastness of teenage girldom. And I especially love the moments when TV teen dramas get political. You guys, we can organize. Stand together. Speak with one voice. Karl Marx has come alive for me today. Now it just seems so obviously wrong that those who control capital should make their fortunes off the labor of the working class. Since you've fired us, you've given us plenty of time to kick in. Workers of the world unite for all Long live the revolution! And we're live! <laughs> all right. Welcome to another episode of Leftist Teen Drama. Today we are talking about the iconic Sister Sister Strike episode, and I am joined once again by friend of the show, Liv. Hi. So as you might remember, if you've listened to my podcast before, Liv is uh, one of my friends from college. She's out in LA now, living her best life, and we love to talk about teen dramas together. So this is, I think, your third episode now, and every time is a good time. It is. So. <laughs> Yeah, and I was also on Bodysuits for Bughead, which is my biggest claim to fame. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and for an icon- a very iconic yet sad episode for the Fred Andrews uh, Earl I know. death episode. I was so honored. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Luke Perry forever. Today I know. I know. I know. Moment of silence. Moment of silence. Um, every time we end up talking about Riverdale, even though, like, I'm specifically not talking about Riverdale this season because I'm mad at Roberto. <laughs> oh, no. And, like, I kind of am, too, but it's just, I don't know. They're just, uh, it's just, that's my show. <laughs> I feel. I love um, it. Long before Riverdale ever existed, we had the one and only Tia and Tamara Maori getting into all kinds of twin hijinks, like legit every episode. It's like, I guess we have to switch places. <laughs> it kills Love me. It so but um, So we're talking about Sister Sister today, and I did want to mention, like, credit where credit is due, the existence of this episode was pointed out to me by a fellow union communicator who shortly after Sister Sister dropped on Netflix, she was watching it and she like posted a couple screen caps from this episode and she was like oh my god guys there's a sister sister strike episode like red alert you know and so i was like well this is perfect and it did not disappoint i just feel like it's a very pro-union episode and i appreciate that and i guess we talked on this show before about how like it's not that surprising
something because like most writers rooms are like you know union and most film sets are like largely union but it's still always great to see like good literate labor stories that like actually seem to make a good point and this one is a good one this one does it so we're going to talk about that today i thought that one thing that would be kind of fun for us to talk about first is sort of our like relationships to like labor and where that intersected for us back in college when you were stuck in the restaurant industry and i was working for uh working for the restaurant opportunity center which is a restaurant worker center and we were doing a uh, research project on working conditions in Boston, which, spoiler alert, they're bad. Um, <laughs> uh, so bad. Yeah, and so I was serving restaurant workers, and at the time, Liv was literally just living in a house of restaurant workers. And so I, like, came over and just interviewed everyone who was home. <laughs> and it was kind of grim, you know, everyone was. But we ended up having really enlightening conversations, I feel like, about, like, your conditions. Yeah, I mean, the restaurant industry is just a big old mess in general. I don't know. I feel like the restaurant industry gets away with so many little things. Like, I didn't know that I could have a break <laughs> if I was working a double. Like, I just thought that was just, like, a normal thing to do, work, like, 12, 13, 14-hour days and, Jesus. like, little things like that. And um, I remember I had, I think I told you, yeah, I told you this then, that um, one of the cooks in the kitchen had, like, grabbed my arm and, like, it was it was bad. So, yeah. I don't know. I, you, you you were like working there at the perfect time because I started learning things. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's wrong. that's illegal. There's, yeah, it was a interesting time. I'm so happy I don't have to work in the restaurant industry anymore. Clarence interrupts podcast recording to be cute. <laughs> Clarence, he wants to be involved. He has something to say about unions. I don't. What is he typing right now? I wonder what he has to say. <laughs> Uh, but yeah yeah i mean obviously we don't want to talk about any um particular employers because that would be like we've already had to cut that out of other episodes before i mean the restaurant the restaurant rhymes with hose so you can just fill in the blanks yeah (laughs) you can just a little riddle for you exactly (laughs) so yeah it's just interesting for it to be like young workers and i because i just feel like i mean i guess we're like we're still kind of young workers i guess and then we're in our late 20s but like thinking about what we were like when we were like really young workers we were like in our early 20s and like figuring this shit out even as teenagers yeah which if if you had a job in high school i did yeah i did yeah Yeah, so i I guess we'll definitely be bringing those experiences into our sister sister analysis if you will Mm And I just, yeah, I just think this episode is spectacular. So let's just, before we get into the episode itself, talk about Sister Sister in general. So once again, like yeah. a Kamalisha episode, I feel like this is a show that like just before our time, like it aired from 94 to I think like 96 or something like that. Um, so like while Maybe we were... There were six seasons. Okay, so maybe it's like 94 to like 2000 or something. But I know that I looked it up and I was like, oh shit, this started the year I was born. (laughs) That makes like, but I do remember there being reruns on and like, I definitely had seen it like somewhat because like I knew the theme song, you know? Like, I knew it was like 50. Everyone does. Yes. And it's been stuck in my head for like a month now. So I've been watching so much (laughs) The Sugar Sister. Yeah, for this, Mm -hmm. uh, for this episode. So I was like, I need to get, get, the whole vibe i can't just watch the episodes it's been a great time i just i like in i just love watching old 90s sitcoms it really like just 
brings me joy. I know. <laughs> I know. And I remember watching um, Sister, Sister when it was in reruns on the Disney Channel. Mm, okay, yeah. But I think, I don't know if this is a thousand percent true. Maybe it is. But there's a point where, like, like Sister, Sister started off being a little more, like, edgy. And then at a certain point... I read that they got sold to Disney, so they had to, like, clean up a little bit. So if you notice, like, the first two seasons were a little more, like, you know, some teen stuff. I don't know. PG-13 rather than PG. I also feel like Mm -hmm. with, like, Lisa and Ray's, like, sex life, it's a little more, like, woo. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, Lisa. Lisa's my favorite. I want to be Lisa as a mother. Me too. I mean, Lisa is, like, the star of this episode, in my opinion, so. Oh, my God. She's the best. Like, oh, she cracks me up. (laughs) <laughs> and once again, for our, like, critique of, you know, the 90s slash early 2000s, them constantly trying to make fat jokes about Lisa have me like, what? <laughs> this woman is just curvy. Like, what? Curvy, she's healthy. It, it, it makes me think of um, Kim and Moesha, too. Absolutely. Like, they all said, and now it's like, these are the women, like, we're seeing on billboards and modeling clothes. I'm honestly just so happy that I'm thick in a time where thickness is celebrated. Yes, at a time when thickness can thrive, as it always should yes. have. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so in this episode, both Tia and Tamara are going to be offered and at separate times work a job at a supermarket where the union workers have gone on strike. But this isn't the first time that they had Tia and Tamara work. So I think that's interesting. Like, obviously, there's not really much continuity to, like, you know, sitcom-style shows. But, like, there's an episode in an earlier season where they were both working at, like, a burger shop. And then, like, one of them got offered a management position. And then the other one got in because the other one was bad. Or it was was some sort of conflict that had to do with them being management. And I was kind of like, I don't like this. Yeah, no, you know what, Phil? I like, I distinctly remember that episode. Um, even before, like, it came back on, like, came on um, Netflix. I remember that episode because at the end, like, when they make up, they both sit down and share an ice cream sundae. And then one of them's like, I'll buy your half. And the other one's like, and I'll buy your half. Aww. And I'm like, but I think back to it. I'm like, so y'all are really just paying for yourselves? I don't know why. Like, that stuck with me for <laughs> childhood. <laughs> like, you're both just paying for your own half. You're not actually, sorry. Like, I know that has nothing to do with anything, but like the symbolism of it all, the sisterhood of it all. Yeah, it's like two, but like, oh my god, I don't know. Sorry. But yeah, that episode, like, annoying. like what is this but they they turned yeah. it around they turned it around with this one i'd say yeah. and then i think the, the only a few episodes before this one it's like you know christmas and they both get like temporary holiday jobs at the mall mm-hmm. and so they have like one of them doing the typical elf thing and one of them like gift wrapping which is somebody who used to work at a gift shop with really elaborate gift wrapping i was like Oof, too close <laughs> i didn't know that oh my god that was my high school job i worked at a locally owned gift shop and we had really elaborate gift wrapping and i was i was like known as like the worst gift wrapper in the bunch um <laughs> yeah we so i got yelled at once by a customer because because like she was watching me and i was understandably nervous and i ended up fucking her shit up and then i tried to like get away with it being fucked up and then she was like started yelling at me and i was like all right i'll redo it <laughs> oh my god one yeah. you're just a kid and he would like li- nothing is that serious <laughs> like yeah. that's not serious at all 
Yeah. So again, bringing our uh, our own experiences in the service industry <laughs> to uh, to this episode. So let's get started with the strike plot lines. I just wanted to say, like, off the bat, this episode is going to be a like like very obvious that Maria wants to go back to school and finish her labor studies masters, but can't afford taking on more debt right now. So I'm definitely going to quote a few labor books just because you know the stri- strikes are really like powerful fucking things and i am of the opinion that like there are many like iconic strikes in u.s history that should be like movies or like prestige drama series but you know the capitalists don't want people to know that they have power so we don't get to have nice things (laughs) (laughs) yeah we don't get to have any nice things under capitalism (laughs) exactly that's that's the biggest point here (laughs) but i do think that the one thing that is kind of like missing from this plot line is like the actual union workers <laughs> like that was the one yeah, thing i was like they kind of third party the union a lot because they're always saying the union and they're not actually showing the individual workers you kind of see like signs in the background but, you don't see yeah. you don't meet any of them exactly yeah. so that was the one thing where i was kind of like well we're gonna have to fill in the blanks with some good old quotes from our labor scholars i love it i know i kind of got i went down a little rabbit hole kind mm-hmm. of looking into like union stuff because i mean i've always known they exist and i know, like the basics but like i was just online reading about all these really i don't know it's just such a badass thing <laughs> unions are just like really badass <laughs> i totally agree i mean i think the reason that i am so attracted to the labor movement and ended up like you know making it my life's work is that like you can really put like anything in a union contract and so like you can really like fight like every form of oppression like on the job through a union right and right. i think that true solidarity really does recognize everyone's differences and it's like okay how can we protect our trans colleagues how can we you know protect our co-workers of color like you know um right, and not right. every union is, is a good woke union or whatever the fuck you want to call it. like not every yeah. union is doing that but every union has the potential to do that and so i just think that that's like like one of the reasons that I do what I do. And also, I'm currently wearing a Strike Wave t-shirt. I feel like I should shout it out. Uh, it's, oh my God, so cute. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it says, don't mess with Scabby, which if you have ever been in this, I guess any town that has any amount of union density, you have probably seen a rat, Scabby the rat, the inflatable rat that various unions put up to show a bad employer. Like, so... If someone's on strike, you might see Scabby and yeah, Scabby the rat. One of my professors when I was in union semester, like was a, a building trades guy and the building trades really like use Scabby a lot, like out of everyone who does. And he was like, yeah, I've had that thing. I've had Scabby in the back of my car so many times. Like, <laughs> Scabby. Yeah, so shouts out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So I guess I wanted to just talk about like the strike as a concept, how it's like the most powerful tool in a union's toolbox. And um, we've talked on this show before uh, in previous episodes. I don't think any of you've been on live, but um, about how uh, in campaigns like a unionization campaign or a contract campaign, which is what this is about, um, you're going to take actions in a strategic escalated fashion, like an escalation plan, we call it, where you're kind of raising the pressure little by little. So you might start with everyone, you know, wearing pins on the same day to show your solidarity. And you might like go up to a rally if you don't get your demand after that. And then if like things really escalate, you might end up at a strike. Like a strike is really like the biggest, most escalated action. And it's the one we build to. But it's also like the threat we always have in our back pocket, right? Like we could always withhold our labor. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I, when I was 
doing my little research and everything. <laughs> I mean, I always like union unionizing works, right? Like right. it works. But I didn't realize how rash people get for being scabs. Mm. Like for real. Yeah. yeah, like that really. So, um, one of my really good friends is a teacher, and when LA USD was on strike, like the union sent this like long email, being like, you know, these are the things that you shouldn't shouldn't do, and right. like if you you know actually show up to work, and it's just wild. But I mean, drastic times call for drastic measures, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, and. The thing is that, like, with everything I just said, like, in a good strike, most of the workers have been, like, you know, coming along on a journey. They've been, like, you know, wearing T-shirts when everyone else is wearing T-shirts. They were at the rally, like, you know, like, if if you're doing it right, then everyone should, like, know and feel why you're striking. And then you hopefully don't have scabs, you know, (laughs) like, a good, a good campaign, a good campaign will, like, have really organized everyone enough that that's not really going to happen. And, like, a lot of, a lot of times these strikes are, like, 98%, like, authorization vote kind of situations. And so... I think that if a union's going to take on a strike, usually they like are ready for it. But it takes a lot of resources. Like you know, um, a lot of unions have strike funds that kind like a portion of members' dues will go into like this this like pile that's for when somebody goes on strike. But like you're not just going to start using that like willy nilly. You know, like you gotta think that you could actually like win what you want to win. And in that vein, I'm going to quote something yeah. from Labor Notes. And anything I cite today, I'll definitely put in the show notes. So I'm just going to say that off the bat, so I don't have to say it every time. And this is from labor notes of strike guide and it's from the section called why strikes matter and i think this is just a great kickoff before we start watching strikes by unorganized workers led to the founding of unions strikes won the first union contracts strikes over the years won bigger paychecks vacations seniority rights and the right to tell the foreman that's not my job without strikes we would have no labor movement no unions no contracts and a far worse working and living situation in short, strikes are the strongest tool in workers' toolbox. Our power not just to ask, but to force our employers to concede something. The key word is force. A strike is not just a symbolic protest. It works because we withhold something that the employer needs. It's production, it's good public image, it's profit, and above all, it's control over us. Dang. Yeah. I really feel like that... Can you... that is like unfortunately what is missing from this episode instead we get to see kind of the flip side and we get to see what happens if you do decide to scab potentially Mm -hmm. um um, we can really think about that i mean as we start watching we'll talk about why the workers are on strike and stuff but like we are respectful of the workers at the at the times when tia and tamara choose to scab i am disappointed uh disappointed chick but it ends up good in the end so <laughs> maybe i'm disappointed but it's also so funny <laughs> oh my god it's so funny it's so funny they really they were i mean they still are great actresses but like they were just killer teen actresses in my opinion yeah like, they hit so all funny yes yeah mm-hmm. i love it all those comedic beats <laughs> yep so yeah let's let's start watching the app yeah. The first clip I want to watch is just like really short, just because I want to like make a point about Terrence before we get into <laughs> Terrence. Has, I was going to say, Terrence was always a little sus to me before this episode, and then this episode just kind of sealed the deal. Where I'm like, yes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's so funny? I feel like this actor like plays the same person. So if, have you seen the Parkers? 
I have the not, professor. but I feel like it needs to be on my list now because I feel like it gets talked Definitely about. Does. Yeah. Because Nikki Parker is such a badass, but his character in that is like also very like I don't know. The one way I can think to describe Terrence is weak. <laughs> I can't go to the game. Here's my ticket. What happened? Well, the supermarket clerks union just called a strike. Those ungrateful little babies. They don't know how lucky they are to have such a, a cushy job like that. Now I have to go all the way back to the food boy and bag groceries. Do you know how hard that is? <laughs> okay, I just wanted to pause there just to make a very important point that, like, workers hold the value and managers don't do shit. Like... Yeah. <laughs> he really just is like, like, like get out of here yeah exactly and i mean obviously they like they wrote this to be very ironic and i i appreciate it honestly but like calling it a cushy job in one sentence oh, yeah. and then complaining about it in the next is just like that really is what bosses are like though and i just think that it's just so amazing how yeah it's just so amazing how the like strikes just show that like it's not just symbolic like it really shows the public and management how much value the workers actually hold and just like a couple of recent strikes come to mind one is the black tiktok strike have you been following that at all oh my god so i just recent like maybe two days ago because i was like what is this about like i was seeing memes and yeah, stuff yeah. i understand it that is amazing like, i love that yeah <laughs> So for anyone who might be listening who doesn't know, basically, if you're on TikTok, it should be quite obvious to you, unless you have absolutely no racial uh, awareness whatsoever, that pretty much every dance trend that ever happens on TikTok is almost primarily the, like, artist is Black who wrote the song, you know, like, Megan Thee Stallion, let's think of. She, like, basically, anytime a song comes out, it's going to be a TikTok dance from her. And then the choreographers who end up making the, like, dances that go viral that everyone copies are Black creators. And for the Megan Thee Stallion's most recent song, they all decided that they were going to go on strike and they were not going to create a new dance for white creators to profit off of. Because that's the thing, the white creators are more likely to actually get to make money and see see money from their creations, even though their creations are actually ripping off black creators. And so the result has been some of the worst... TikTok dances of all time being made by these white creators without black creators to emulate. And it's been hilarious and just such a poignant show of how important the labor of black choreographers is. It No, that is so true. Like, it's... <laughs> And, and it's funny, too, because, I mean, I don't spend a ton of time on TikTok. It actually stresses me out because, I mean, I work in social media and, like, I have clients who want to move over to TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, eh, it's too, I feel like a boomer. It's too much. But um, it is wild to see, like, the influence that these Black creators have. Like, when you're just going through and it does show up a lot. Like, white creators are constantly doing that and stealing like culture vulging it's just the whole bit and I, I love it I'm so happy that um we're getting some like funny content out of it too with all these terrible TikTok 
<laughs> truly insane. And then the other recent yeah. example that came to mind is at the New Yorker, they just averted a strike, but they had a very, like, a, something like a 98% um, strike authorization vote, and they had made a strike issue of the New Yorker so that if they went on strike, there would be a completely worker-made issue of the New Yorker coming out. And they, like, released the cover. You know, and you know how, like, New Yorker is, like, like the covers are iconic. Like, that's one of, like, the things about their brand. And so it was, oh, yeah. it was definitely in the New Yorker style, but it was, like, strike issue, and it had, like, all of this, like, pro-worker stuff. And it they, they it. settled the strike, like, before they, they, like, settled the contract before they went on strike. Maybe a few days after that went viral. So management was mad as hell because everyone was sharing it, and they were like, this is so cool. And it showed that, like, they could go viral for the New Yorker without the New Yorker management. <laughs> you know? Um, I love it. Yeah. So just, uh, strikes are still very much alive and in people are doing really creative things and yeah and fuck Terrence (laughs) I was gonna probably say that a lot but yeah so now now we're gonna get back into the episode and this is gonna be this is like one of the I would say like the setup of the whole thing and it's when Tamara decides to become a scab wah 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 (laughs) man now I gotta have to go to the game alone I'm sorry Ray well hopefully it'll have to be like this until I can hire some replacements replacements don't you mean strike breaking you Union-busting scabs? Yeah, you, yeah, you, you know some? <laughs> hey, girls, how would you like to fill in for those gritty slackers and make some extra cash? You're not supposed to cross the picket line, are you? Oh, what loudmouth rabble-rouser is filling your head with all that nonsense? <laughs> I am. <laughs> this is a pro-union household, Terrence. Now, wait a minute. Lisa, you know, I'm an employer. I can understand Terrence's dilemma. I know it's like to have some union nitpick you over some rinky-dink demand. Now, what is it this time? A cost of living increase. <laughs> oh, Lord. Listen, now, I'm management, too. I own a car down at the mall. You don't see any of my employees going out on strike. You don't have any employees. <laughs> oh, no, well, what about that, that part-time teenage temporary girl I hired for that one day? You didn't see her go out on strike? Mom, that was me. <laughs> I'm trying to make a point here, too. And the point is, Terrence, some people do have principles. Principles. Right, right, right. Principles. You can't put a price on principles. Although a good price might be $6 an hour. No, no. No, cash. And all the loose grapes you can eat. Ah, forget it. I do that anyway. How about the the broken chocolate-covered yogurt balls? Well, oh, Leland! Give me a price gun and an apron. I'm yours. Tia, are you with me? No. I have principles. Darn it. <laughs> well, too bad. I'll bring you a, a broken yogurt ball. I, I, I don't be bringing none of that food boy stuff up in here. None of that scab food will touch my lips. Well, you know, Tamara, cross the cricket line can get kind of sticky. Tad, I've been in sticky situations before. If I can sneak out of geometry class, I can sneak into food boy. <laughs> Not that I've ever done that. That was just an example. Um, Tamara, now why do you want to do this? Lisa... The job would give me self-respect. I'll be earning my own way. Plus, I want these really cool earrings I saw today. Whenever you shake your head, they play the theme from ER. (laughs) Come on, Tamara. We're proud to have you as a member of the Food Boy family. Now, listen, uh, do you have any other friends who don't have any integrity? Yeah, lots of them. There's Steve, and then there's Scooter, and then there's Bugs. 
you know, maybe I should go get her, sit her down, and explain to her the social ramifications of crossing the picket line. Well, she's old enough to make her own mistakes. She'll find out soon enough what it's like to work in a non-union job. You sure? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. It's almost tip-off time, and I don't want to miss a minute. <laughs> so, uh, a lot just happened in that week. <laughs> yes. So, first of all, fucking, let's just talk about how much we love Lisa, honestly, this scene oh, yeah. in this episode. Like, she is such, like, a staunch unionist, and I realized, as I was watching this, I was like, wait, aren't they, like, set in Detroit? And then I was like, well, duh, like, Detroit is such a union town. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I'm just gonna dig into a couple of really short things. Like, I looked up, this is from a 2019 New York Times article about, like, all of the auto strikes. So the UAW, Mm -hmm. since Detroit was traditionally a, you know, car manufacturer town, a lot of their, like, biggest, most iconic, like, strikes happened in Detroit or, like, around Detroit and Michigan. Like, Michigan Mm -hmm. in general is pretty much union country. So, like, in 1937, the famous sit-down strike happened in Flint, Michigan at a GM plant. And the 44-day occupation of the factory led to them unionizing. GM. And then a couple years later, basically the same kind of thing happened with a 10-day strike at uh, Ford, and they were the last to unionize, and they were like the last holdout. So, and then one of my favorite strikes that I read about in Union Semester happened in Detroit too, which is the 1937 Woolworth sit-down strike, which was just a bunch of badass ladies who worked at this like five and dime store, and they had like this whole plan, and like then at like 11 a.m., they all just like stopped working and occupied this like five and dime store for like multiple days in order to unionize and get all these demands um, for their working conditions. So there's a very rich labor history in Detroit, and so I like to think that that Lisa kind of, obviously those things are slightly before her time, but like I would think that she, if, if they are from Michigan and they've lived in Michigan a long time, that there might be some like labor history there. Yeah. I mean, did the writers know that? Because if so, that that would just be gorgeous. I would, I mean, I would think, I, from, I think that like Detroit and Michigan Michigan being a union town was probably even more true in the 90s than now because like the auto industry moving away I think is kind of like the issue of that time but I don't know either way I just think it's cool that I wanted to highlight that but you know, on a less scholarly note Lisa fucking rocks I love everything she says I wouldn't I wouldn't eat scab food either <laughs> me neither I- <laughs> Yeah, she's great. Also, like, scab food, that just sounds disgusting. (laughs) That's the thing. Scab is such a good word because it's like, it just really feels like how it's supposed to feel when you say it, you know? It does. It does. Cacophonous. Yes, exactly. (laughs) See, I I just honestly, as usual, looking at my insane notes and seeing if there's anything here. I just, I just love that it's like very clear that Tia was raised right and Ray being an employer like did not raise Tamara right but also yeah yeah, but also the demand that is uh, first of all him saying rinky dink demand already is just like dude no like what is yeah but then the fact that it's a cost of living increase i'm like these writers are so fucking funny because like a lot of times strikes are about like the cost of living increase like keeping your health care like things that are like make the company look Mm -hmm. so heartless and that is because it makes the company look so heartless i feel like it's one of those like the boss is the best organizer kind of like scenarios where it's like of course everyone's going to go on strike Mm -hmm. like you're literally refusing to give them the most bare minimum contract demand bare minimum yep I've been thinking about that too a lot lately, especially especially the past year with 
pandemic and everything. And I know this is very extra of me, but the thought of like, why do I have to pay for food and water? Like, why do I have to pay to feed myself? No, like, why? Just... Yeah, why am I paying like a ridiculous amount of money out of pocket monthly for health insurance? It's just like all of it is very, I don't know. And people who think that it's like, taboo to want that are just so lame. <laughs> like, yeah. it's basic, like very basic, like human, not even workers' rights, but like human rights to be able to afford shit. And like, I don't know. Yeah, the whole bit is just annoying. Yeah, no, it's, I don't know like, why boomers are so like surprised. Look at the world that you showed us. Of course, we're all socialists. Like, <laughs> right? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> seriously well and it's it's funny too because like i respect lisa for having her cute little cart in the mall more than ray handling his limo business like i don't know just big corporation i mean not that his limo business is a big corporation but like you know larger companies compared to like these cute little like mom and pop small businesses it just yeah you can see the the definite difference between their point of views because of it yeah and it's especially it's, it's because the like corporations like you know that they have the funds to do the right thing it makes it even more disgusting when oh they don't yeah like yeah. the small businesses a lot of times don't have the money to do the right thing and yeah. they still try to but then again there are some like i've worked for i mean again we're going back to the restaurant industry <laughs> but i've worked for like small you know family-owned businesses that are just like you know that the owners are making so much money off of mm-hmm. you know me making three dollars an hour and yeah ridiculous but anyway (laughs) anyway i do enjoy that they really like the entire show and even ray who you know is you know not as pro-union as lisa they set up crossing a picket line as a bad thing they're like the social ramifications are you sure you want to do that like and i think that captures the detroit union town spirit where like clearly like in that community crossing the picket line does have that connotation i just found it interesting that he like went from from like kind of sympathizing with terrence to being like just the social ramifications of crossing a picket line i'm like okay ray like it's too little too late she already left the house <laughs> exactly and it's very like centrist like oh no how can i appease both sides like kind of reaction and it's like no these two sides are not equal yeah. sir <laughs> um Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also just I do think it's interesting and like just very real that they're just like at the end of the day like Lisa can try her hardest to you know raise her kid and then also uh, instill into Mara since they live in the same house that like she shouldn't cross the picket line she shouldn't eat scab food you know but at the end of the day they have to make their own mistakes and what she said about like let's see how they like a non-union position was like yeah yeah they shall see I just do feel like generally like we were just saying before like teenagers like tend to get stuck and actually kind of the perfect positions to be unionized obviously because it's not something a job that necessarily teenagers care about as much as like someone who's actually making their living with it cares like maybe they're it's harder to organize them because of that but at the same time if you get kids at the right time they're usually doing the exact kind of jobs that make it easy to show how exploitation happens you know yeah it blows my mind that i ever worked for like what was the minimum wage when i first started working i think it was like 850 it was still 725 in new jersey when i started working in jersey i don't think i made minimum wage but that was the minimum wage yeah yeah still 725 in georgia is the minimum wage and like I I hired like an assistant to help me with you know some of my admin stuff nice. and being so 
self-employed just to help. And I'm paying her $18 an hour, but she, she lives in Georgia. And when I, I was like, so is $18 an hour? Like, okay. And her little face, she's so oh. cute. She's like 19, like on the phone. She's like, um, yeah. I was like, yes, are you good? She's like, yeah, I get like out here at seven twenty-five an hour. And I was like, girl, if anybody tries to pay, do not do anything for seven twenty-five an hour. Like, yeah. do not. Poverty athlete. That is, and you know, again, she's, she's like in her first year in college. So like, you know, that type of money, you know, it's, she has a, you know, disposable income at this point in her life. Right. Like right, I remember right, right, being right. able to, you know, spend $300 on Beyonce tickets when I was a freshman in college because I had, (laughs) I had a savings then. But yeah, no, I just, I find it so interesting, like that $18 an hour is something that's like, whoa, that's a lot of money. Like it's not, (laughs) that's the best that I can do right now. But like, it's really not a lot of money. You can't live off of $18 an hour. I I, little it's 725. So, and tangent, but yeah. No, it's true. I mean, we've been fighting for the fight for 15 for so long that it's like not even a living wage anymore so even if it like ever was like it's definitely not now <laughs> i would lift a finger for 15 dollars an hour hell no yeah exactly <laughs> all right so let's watch tamara's first shift as a scab <laughs> or as we will see head scab which kind of makes it even worse <laughs> I love that. That is so funny. And she like takes such pride in being head scab. I know. I'm like, girl, you need to take a long, hard look in the mirror. Like, (laughs) (laughs) also these customers that we're about to see, like y'all cross a picket line to buy these groceries at this like basic ass grocery store. Yes, I wanted to share really quick. So I was thinking about that because I remember my grandfather, who's like this, you know, he's super liberal and everyone else in my family is conservative. But like when I was growing up, Walmart workers were on strike, I remember. And yeah. my grandfather, like if you came home with a bag from Walmart, he would be so upset. He'd be like, do not bring that into the house. Yeah, It got so bad that like my grandmother would like have like a stop and shop bag, and, like move everything from like the Walmart bag to stop and shop bag so she could even bring it into the house but i'm thinking like i don't know it's just kind of interesting because like today how things have manifested but yeah like i i learned from a very young age not to cross the picket line and yeah shout out to my grampy yeah shouts out that's awesome yeah no i mean so that he was the lisa in the situation like don't bring that scab food to my house like (laughs) Exactly. Oh, yeah. He was not down. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we we're going to give a little side eye to these customers as we watch Tamara help them. Thank you for shopping food, boy. Oh, and uh, please excuse us for the obscenities on your way in. <laughs> excuse me, dude. Sir? It's Mr. Winningham. Where? Me. Huh? I'm uh, Mr. Whittingham. Hey, what do you want now, Steve? Uh, well, I- I'm still having trouble stacking these oranges. Do, do we have any that are, like, less round? <laughs> no, Steve. We have no cube-shaped fruit. Look, I'll stack the oranges. You go outside, round up all the shopping carts, okay? Call us. <laughs> so, Vera, the more I watch you, the more impressed I am with your natural ability. Well, I feel it's my obligation to guide and inspire the others. After all... I am the head scab. No, 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 no. Look, eggs are on top. Maybe I can help you. I made up a little poem to help me remember proper bagging procedure. Eggs and bread are kind of like the head. Meat is like the feet. 
and all the rest go in the chest, except for the really heavy cans, which are kind of like the feet. <laughs> oh, I know the last verse needs a little work. So I think that what that scene illustrates is something that is generally true when it comes to strikes and bosses hiring replacement workers, that the replacement workers will never have the expertise, experience, and skills of the union workers. And that yep. man who could not stack oranges was just a really good example of that. Could <laughs> <laughs> oranges? Oh my god. <laughs> and the other thing is I cannot with Tamara's bootlicker ass chant or poem or whatever the fuck that shit was. Like, come on now. You know what, though? I remember being, like, young and at a job and wanting to perform really well and, like, oh, yeah. thinking it meant something. <laughs> you know, like, working in banquets. I remember, like, wanting to be, like, banquet captain and, you know, telling people, like, oh, you're doing that wrong. And then I found out that, like, a couple people who had been there for a less amount of time than me was making more money than me. And I was like, okay, whatever. I don't care. Y'all go do whatever. Because there's a certain point where like you are not chanting something to help you bag groceries anymore you're no. just over it and yeah okay. i don't get paid enough for this right <laughs> it's definitely like the myth of capitalism that we're all like you know like mm-hmm. our school system is preparing us to be workers like let's be real and so like yep. Like it's ingrained in us to like want to to work and do a good like do a good job at work and stuff. But yeah, there comes a point, hopefully, in you know people's lives, and I think it's been very true for our generation and the generation after us that we're just kind of like, wait, fuck this. Like something radicalizes you into realizing that we are all selling our labor for a living, and it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> hmm. Oh my goodness. It I like. Really yeah, it's like you know the whole like you don't hate Mondays, you hate capitalism thing. Like I feel that every Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Every Monday. I know. And like, you know what's even worse than Monday? The Sunday scaries. Ooh, yes. Like anytime after 5 p.m. on Sunday, I'm like, oh no, it's just that dread of knowing that. And and don't get twisted. I love what I'm doing right Me now. Too. Me too. Employed. But it's still, you know, the dread of like, oh, if I don't do this tomorrow, I might not be able to pay rent. <laughs> right. No, exactly. It's the oh. dread of selling your labor and like you're held yep. captive by it. Like you have to do it. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode. This is a real upper. <laughs> <laughs> it is a real upper. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then also, the signs outside the food boy, just since obviously this is a, you know, audio medium and our listeners can't see, they have some lovely signs outside that say boycott food boy. And the people inside are not heeding those signs advice. But, you know, whatever. I'm not going to invite anyone who crosses a picket line to my party. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) They are not invited to the cookout. No, absolutely not. (laughs) So now we're going to go to the scene where Lisa bans scab food from her house. Which is saying something because Lisa loves her food. Exactly. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting how they chose this. I mean, the supermarket as the site of the strike, for sure. Wait a minute. Tia, are those food boy flakes? Mm-hmm. I told you we're not eating none of that scab food in this house. <laughs> <laughs> they food, farmer food boy sausage links? I told you no. Oh, these are the spicy ones that plop up when you cook them. Mm, mm, mm. No, no. Besides, I like the patties. I have them too. Oh, oh. No, 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 no. I'm not giving in that way, no. No, way, no. Mom, my civics teacher, Mr. Donan, says that if the unions gain too much power, they can be counterproductive.
productive in a free market society. What are you saying? Mom, I want my food boy plates. No, Tina. Come on now, don't worry now, honey. Now, I went down to the 7-Eleven and I got some of those tiny little donuts. I hate those. You better eat them. They cost me $10. <laughs> Here comes the scab. Oh, oh, hey, Tamir, did you hear? My mom has a chance to win a new 4x4 blazer. Really? Well, I guess if you can't afford to buy one, winning one is the next best thing. <laughs> you know, if my mom were here, she'd say that what you're doing is exploiting honest, hardworking people's misfortunes and... <gasps> While we are those 20s? <laughs> yep, they pay me in cash. Something about not wanting to leave a paper trail. <laughs> if you want to hop on board this money train, just say the words and I can sneak you in through the loading dock. Thank you. I have scruples. Darn it. <laughs> I have scruples too. And 150 bucks. I did the math. Ooh. And uh, when I watched that, so she worked 25 hours to make $150. Like, yeah. even in the 90s, that is just being ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely true. And also, I think it just shows that, like, when you're a teenager, like, so little money can feel like a lot, you know? Yeah. It doesn't take mm -hmm. a lot <laughs> to be like, I'm rich. Yeah. <laughs> I'm rich, bitch. And it's like, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Again, Lisa being amazing in that scene. I have no notes. She even resisted sausage. So, you know, amazing. I know. I know. And I know they like, they try to frame her as this like, quote unquote, overweight, like overeater. But she's really just this thick queen who loves food. Yeah, which is like, <laughs> where is the problem? I don't see it anywhere. Like. There's no problem there. Um, but the other thing I wanted to, to just talk about before we move on is how much of a fucking like capitalist bootlicker this fucking civics teacher is who put that nonsense Reaganomics type uh, I don't even know nonsense yeah. like I just wanted he to like really fuck things up yeah. Reagan really like just did a number on us yeah it's uh yeah a number on on everyone you know he really he got the queer community he got workers he got it black folks he got everyone yeah, greatest Shit. hits of oppression yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's dead, right? Yeah, oh, he's dead. <laughs> I, I have the same birthday as him, which I like to think that I came. Ew. I know. I like to think that I came to undo some of his nonsense. You know, like, like you know. Yeah, he was an Aquarius. Okay, that's <laughs> actually like surprises me. That's like very unlike a, a, a Aquarius to like pull some shit like that. I mean, yeah. Ever. You know, I, ew, I don't. We don't claim him. him right? I don't even really like identify <laughs> like that, but we don't claim him. <laughs> no, no. His rising must be in like. Capricorn or something. Sure. No offense, Capricorn. <laughs> But anyway, so the exact quote from the civics teacher is that if unions gain too much power, they can be counterproductive in a free market society. And so I just wanted to set the record straight from a history of America and 10 strikes. Like the labor power in the 90s was not even sort of close to being too powerful. Like in the 70s, there was an average of 289 major strikes per year. And by the 90s, that fell to 35 per year. So like this would be one of like 35 strikes if it went on long enough because we're talking about major strikes so like there was no there wasn't like reagan made a great job of ensuring that there was no threat of there being like too much union power in the 90s like fuck off back out of here if that like 
Come on now. Yeah, no, that, I mean, it is interesting. Like, I kind of wish that we had a scene or like a flashback scene of some sort of her like in class learning that. I, I would know, be right? interested <laughs> to kind of see how the rest of the class or if, if um, Tia was in the class too and she was repeating all the stuff that Lisa says on a daily basis. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, she should. She should be going right back at him. That would be that would be being Lisa's daughter, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. All right. So we're going to go to the, actually go to school now. That's ironic. But we were just talking about that. And yes. be that basically now as head scab, she thinks she's rich as hell. <laughs> Last night, this woman comes up to my checkout counter, hands me a 12 pack of Diet Coke. Yeah, yeah. 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 Then what happened? <laughs> she has a coupon for get this. Pepsi! <laughs> Are you guys laughing? That's not funny. I know, but Tamara just bought us lunch. At least we can do a suck up. <laughs> you bought them lunch? Tio, what's a couple of bean burritos at Senior Taco? About 23 minutes bagging groceries at Food Boy. I love Rachel money. You know, Tamir, you're a lot more fun to hang out with since you become a career woman. Career woman? Please, she's a scab. Well, I gotta go to class. Here's your books, Tamir. Oh, thank you, Ernie. Ah, uh, here's a little something for your troubles. <laughs> Thanks. Tamara, you are the bomb! I'll run ahead and warm your seat. Well, if it isn't the passe posse, and if it isn't Miss Dis. Oh, Rhonda, good, you're here! I was just grappling about a, a little fashion dilemma. <laughs> what else is new? Well, this sweater, for one. Now, what color skirt would go best? That sweater? That's the sweater from the display window at that new store in the mall, Vestito. Vestito? Tamira, that's a really expensive store. Well, I needed something to wear to the Coolio concert. Since when are you going to the Coolio concert? Since I worked enough overtime to afford a scalper. I hate you so much. (laughs) Then my work here is done. You don't work at Food Boy, do you? No, it's against my politics. Darn it. Good, but I can still make fun of you. Nice outfit, home ec project. <laughs> I mean, the thing that I appreciate the most about that scene, honestly, is like Tia calling her a scab when, she, when they tried to call her a career woman. Yes. Like, please, yes, she's exactly. a scab. But like, yes, exactly, tell them. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It was interesting and like kind of hilarious to see her like slipping like twenties into Ernie. Was it his name? Er- yeah, Ernie. Yeah, yeah. And um, Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> her bidding. Like, oh my god. And you know what? Also, too, like Leo comes up in the show quite a bit because they're like obsessed with him, and I think that is so hilarious. I know we're not. I'm not like talking about unions and no, workers' rights okay. right now, but like just Cooley and Coolio in general. Like the fact that one that he exists <laughs> and then two that like T and Tamara were so obsessed with him like it just cracks me up every time they're like oh, the Coolio concert honestly it's really authentic for them to have like a recurring you know music artist oh, yeah. that they're obsessed with for sure and it's all throughout the series like they yeah. talk about Coolio like he pops up like here and there it's amazing almost it reminds <laughs> me of like you know teenage Sharon and J. Cole ooh what's that, what's that mean <laughs> 
Oh my God, you just came for her. I love you, Sharon. <laughs> She's a very, uh, you love know, you, very accomplished lady who doesn't need J. Yeah. Cole. Yeah, J. Cole, I know, she like tries to deny that she was ever obsessed with him too. It's hilarious. Girl. <laughs> we know the truth <laughs> i guess i guess ronda is kind of the one who ends up maybe triggering tia enough to to go against her politics as we're about to see but we're also about to see mara's finally starting to understand why non-union work isn't all it's cracked up to be so tw like how i turned the brew screwed around so nobody can see the soft spots you are the best <laughs> uh, that's nice here because i have a problem well, it's not exactly a problem. I don't even know why I'm saying this, but um, I have tickets to the Coolio concert, so I can't work on Saturday. Tamara, Saturdays are our busiest day. You have to work. Mm, I didn't know that was part of our deal. What deal? Uh, the deal is I tell you when to work and you do it. <laughs> oh, is that our deal? <laughs> That's not a very good deal. Come on, Terrence. I'm your head scab. <laughs> Look, Tamara, I, I just can't let you off. Oh, man. I'm not even going to the concert. <laughs> oh, I get it. You're bluffing. Well, I'm going to the concert, and if you don't like it, I dare you to fire me. Go ahead and try. I'm your best worker. You're not going to find anyone else in the world like me. Oh, Terrence, I reset all the shelves. Oh! Hi, Tamara! Guess what? I changed my mind. I'm working here at Food Boy. And you were saying? So, I love that scene because, like, I love her being like, I didn't know that was part of our deal. And it's like, you don't have a deal. This is why you need a union contract. Put it in writing. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And then how, and then how Tia pops up from behind the shelves. (laughs) So you'll never, I love the writing in this. It's so funny. You'll never find anyone like me. And then her twin pops up. (laughs) Yes. And honestly, twin aside, it really does like show like alone. You do not have the leverage that, Tamara thinks she has over her employer. There will always be some other worker who's willing to work for less because we're in capitalism and people are fucking desperate to feed themselves and their families. And that's one thing too, like calling someone a scab for for crossing a picket line and like choosing to work there. And I I mean, this goes for like places like Amazon and all that. Like a lot of times people have, I mean, it's sad. Like they they have to support themselves and their families. It's... Yeah, no, the best thing to do is to, I mean... to, to organize obviously like the, the hope is that you organize well enough that you get those people before they cross the picket line you know mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah but it's not always possible like there's this, there's an ongoing strike happening right now with minors in Alabama they've been on strike for like four months um, I would love if by the time this episode aired if that strike had been settled but we're in July right now and it's been four months and they have like replacement workers going in and they've been like the workers have like tried blocking the scabs from going in there have been like physical altercations so like the whole like the whole it's a it's a whole like, I don't know it's, there's a lot there's a lot to be said about that it's a complicated area yeah at the end of the day we want everyone to be our comrade and we want to organize everyone and I think the more that we do organize in general the more workplaces that are organized the more people who are gonna like understand why they why they shouldn't cross a picket line and why solidarity is our better chance of everyone getting more 
Yeah. I always, not that I care about being American, because I don't, <laughs> but I always think, like, is it more American for, like, big corporations to oppress their workers, or is it more American for people to organize, you know what I mean, like, as yeah. workers and band together? Because both seem, like, it's interesting, because, like, I mean, I'm guilty of it, like, supporting big corporations that treat their employees terribly. Like, I won't lie, I shop at Amazon way too much. No, I don't but, like, blame consumers for shopping at Amazon by any means. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's just one of those things, too. Like, it's not like I live in the middle of nowhere and don't have access. Like, I live in Los Angeles and, like, have access to a bunch of places where I could get the same things I could get on Amazon. But, like, I, I've wondered that, like, which is, quote, unquote, more American? Because, like, you would think that it would be the workers rising up. But then there's still these, like, big corporations that are just, they do not care at all. So yeah, it's just I, such an interesting dichotomy. Yeah, it really depends. But if you're looking at it from the like, what does our, what do our laws say? It's definitely that corporations mm-hmm. uh, should have more, should have rights. Honestly, like corporations yep. shouldn't have rights. Like, what the fuck? You're not a person. But in this country, they do. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just like obviously, like if anyone decides not to shop at Amazon, good for them. But like, I personally think that like there's no conscious consumer consumerism under capitalism like that. that is very real and like I, I don't blame people for like making consumer choices more than I like there's a difference between like shopping at some place that you know doesn't treat their workers great and like actually crossing a picket line once a strike has been called you know so yeah no that's true very difference. true yeah but yeah okay so we have a very small scene here where Lisa and Ray are going to discuss the fact that Tia has now also crossed the picket line which obviously is gonna not be something that uh that Lisa's happy about <laughs> oh yeah yeah. I can't believe that Tia went behind my back and crossed that picket line. You know, a wise person once said she's old enough to make her own mistakes. That wasn't a wise person, Ray. That was me. <laughs> Can you please forget about Tia's principles for right now. We've got a sports utility vehicle to win. <laughs> oh, yeah. So then they go and play basketball. But. <laughs> Uh, Lisa's very upset and Ray does remind her like you know this is we gotta let them make their own mistakes they gotta you know I gotta I guess they gotta work some non-union jobs themselves to understand the value of a union right so now we've reached like the climax now pretty much of the episode where you know we've seen in the previous episode in the grocery store that Tamara's starting to get hip to you know what's happening and why maybe she shouldn't be so loyal to this food boy place I also want to note that I think in this clip we're about to watch Terrence uses the word family but it's the second time he's used family like folks if your boss starts calling you a family it's time to unionize that shit's about to go down Um, yeah (laughs) um (laughs) Michael Scott like (laughs) man it's too bad like remember when the warehouse tried to unionize in the office yes yes and Jen comes down and she's like we all remember what happened Blah, blah, blah. When they try to unionize, it's like, shut up, Jan. Shut up, you fucking union bus, <laughs> bitch. Yes. All right. So this is a turning point, and I, I just really love what happens here. Sorry, actually, but I had someone coolio tickets. You know, I didn't think it was going to take you this long. Oh, selling them didn't take long. It took two hours to pry them out of my hand. Oh, by the way, thanks for covering for me, traitor. You're welcome, slacker. Girls, girls, please, please. Remember, we're all one big happy food boy family. (laughs) By the way, I'm docking you. 
mind. Can you just move over because I'm on the register? Oh, uh, not anymore. You're a cart wrangler. So go on out there and start taking back those carts from the homeless people. Oh, my God. I'm the head scab. Boo. You know what, Tia? He shouldn't be pushing me around like that. I mean, who can we complain to? Nobody, Tamira. We're not in a union. If we were, we'd be getting paid twice as much. We'd have paid vacations, health insurance, accident insurance. Oh, come on, Tia. None of that stuff interests me. Paid vacations? <laughs> Where's the broth to go, man? Steve, do you mind? We're discussing important labor relations. Hey, Tamara. What's going on? Well, Food Boy's been using us, and I think maybe it's time we did something about it. Like what? You guys, we can organize. Stand together. Speak with one voice. Yeah. Make a list of demands. I'm up to Really stirring up a lot of trouble here. I'm impressed. No, sister, you're oppressed. And so am I. And so are you. And so are you. Well, not exactly you, but everyone else wearing a fool boy apron. So are you guys with me? I said, are you with me? Yeah. Are you tired of working for half the pay and no respect? Yeah. And are you tired of working on Saturday when you should be going to a Coolio concert? <laughs> okay, well, well, that's just me. But I'm former head scab, and I say we can't take it anymore. So let's go farm with our brothers and sisters in that parking lot. to work for six dollars an hour. Make it eight and we'll talk. So yeah, the scabs defect to the strike and essentially shut down the store, which is fucking pretty, pretty radical. Yeah, yeah. To start going down some of my notes here. So when Tamira first shows up after selling her Coolio tickets and her and Tia kind of had that little like, thanks for covering for me, traitor, like the slacker, yeah. whatever she said back. She called her a slacker. I know that. I just wanted, I had a note right here. I said like, see, there's just no solidarity there. Like it's all like individuals in competition with one another. And that's what like a non-union job and like, you know, anti-union management does is it like tries to divide us and not have us working together. I just feel like they've hit so many like, you know, beats with like, like anti-union stuff and flipping it on its head and so and then like you know using family multiple times when that's such a thing that shitty managers do to try to cover up Uh, for shitty conditions which is wild to me i never even thought about it like that because i've heard that from so many employers before but it's like you aren't my family if you're not freaking paying for me to have health insurance and pto we are definitely not family sir yeah (laughs) that's how you treat your family damn okay and so yeah and i just think it's really interesting how it's like tamara like she got this high off of being like the head scab and being able to like you know influence her coworkers and stuff but then the second she's demoted to like going and taking the the carts from homeless people which has its own layers of not like ugh, oh oh my god right yeah it's own that's already its own like 
thing right there. But she starts to understand like why you don't want your boss to be able to just like unilaterally set working conditions and you without input from the workers. Like maybe you want a union contract. I don't know. <laughs> and then obviously yeah, yeah. the episode does a really good job of just like making basically the kind of union different social media posts I would make my job, you know, just like well, if we were in a union, we'd be getting paid twice as much. <laughs> oh, we have health this- insurance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, right that was also i have to commend you on those memes. like i've seen you post a couple on your social and i love them they're so funny <laughs> and fun like the olivia rodrigo one sent me over the moon <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I love that meme. i had so much fun with that yeah it really is brutal out there, that meme in the show notes. yeah that meme in the show notes for okay, sure okay i will i will <laughs> Yeah, so they they show the union difference, and I love that paid vacations is what gets her, but, like, honestly, a lot of people in this country don't have any paid vacations. Like, that is, like, a thing that, like, in, like, European countries everyone has, and in the U.S. it's, like, a luxury to have, and it's, like, it should not be that way. Mm -hmm. And then I also just think it really, like, shows that Tamira is, like, a natural leader in the workplace, so, like, in union organizing, we do something called, like, leader ID, where, like, sometimes the people who are, like, loudest aren't necessarily the like the leader but in this case clearly the other co-workers trust it's people who like the other co-workers naturally trust so like you saw her even if the little poem was ridiculous you did see her helping other co-workers with their job and so clearly they trust they trust her and so then when she gets up on the you know on the cashier desk all Norma Rae-esque like people actually listen to her because (laughs) she's somebody they already naturally listen to you know and so it's just it's just great and then I just I just love the moment when they all walk out and they're all like we're going on strike like it's just great energy yes. and again this would have been a great time for us to have actually gotten to see them come together with their brothers and sisters which again great use of union lingo like any old union dude you've ever heard it's like my brothers and sisters yes. like, <laughs> like show us the workers why wouldn't you show us the workers in that scene we could have seen them striking with them Missed opportunity. I know. You're so right. That's like maybe the one thing missing from this episode. The <laughs> one really important thing. Yeah. Which is like the one that's not like my one problem with it is because I think that it's humanizing individual workers is like an important way to not third party the union. Like the union is the workers and it's not just some like like third party entity, like and not mm-hmm. showing the workers, I feel like kind of kind of third parties the union and I'm like Meh. <laughs> but otherwise great otherwise great <laughs> yeah and also everything that just happened yeah. is why we say that the boss <laughs> is the best organizer like terrence just was like no you can't change your schedule have any scheduling flexibility no you can't have breaks like he just like it made it really easy for them to be like wait we don't need to take this <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah he he's he's a terrible manager <laughs> honestly honestly and not a good partner to lisa either so honestly sorry dude but you're not you're yeah no I'm, i was so happy when they broke up yeah i was so happy when they broke up absolutely she deserves better yes lisa deserves the world she really does <laughs> all right so we've come to the final scene which is kind of you know the conclusion to the strike and finding out what happened at the end let's mm-hmm. get into it so why aren't you at work Tamira organized all the workers. We went on strike, which shut the whole store down. Right. We forced management back to the bargaining table. But this time, they have to negotiate in good faith. Well, wait a minute. I thought you just wanted this job so you could make some money to buy some stupid earrings. Well, one thing led to another, and the next thing you know, I became a union organizer. <laughs> 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 
It's over. The strike has been settled. Yes! <laughs> well, the union gave a little bit on the pension issues, and management gave in to the cost of living increase. And paid vacations? Uh-huh. All right, we're going back to work. Yes! Well, you guys got jobs already? We work for you. Oh, not anymore. I mean, the union workers are going back. Well, then we'll join the union. What? <laughs> are you kidding? You guys were scabs. I mean, you'd be lucky if you could shop in the store. <laughs> well, wait a minute. We're the ones that forced you guys to settle the strike. Right. And the union membership is very grateful. That's why they sent over this plan. <laughs> Let me get this straight. The food boy strike is definitely over? Yeah. Ooh, give me those food boy chips. Quick, give me, give me. Mmm, You know, this may not have turned out the way you wanted, but take pride in what you did. Uh, that's fine, but they don't take pride in Vestito. <laughs> they take Master Charge, Visa, and American Express, but no pride. Uh, I'm sure you girls feel like you got the short end of the stick. I just hope you can forgive me. I'm sorry, Terrence, but you double-crossed us. You exploited us, and you made it that we can't show our face in the store. There's nothing you can do to make up for this. Not even a brand new bag of chocolate-covered yogurt balls? We forgive you. Yeah. <laughs> They're so weak. I know, I know. But, I mean, I do agree with what Ray says, that, like, at the end of the day, take pride in what you did. They did end up being the ones who shut down the store and forced the negotiations to restart. So, but it is kind of gross how Terrence, like, these are kids that are like, you know, the kids of his friend. Because even if he's not with Lisa anymore, he's friends yeah. with Ray. And he would, he's like, oh, you guys might not even be able to show your faces anymore. Sorry, you were scabs. And it's like, bitch, why did you ask them to be scabs in the first place? Like, why would you do this to people who you theoretically care about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's trash, but... Oh god. One of one thing I'm wondering, and you probably know the answer to this, is if like scabs have ever actually organized like that to support the workers who were originally on strike. Um like I, does I, that happen? I don't know of any like particular story of that happening, but I, I would be surprised if it hadn't happened at some point in the the whole length of the labor history. So I just think that this whole journey just really, you know, shows that Tamira had to really like realize for herself, you know, the lesson that we are all workers. She needed to have the experience of being in a really shitty non-union job and like being a scab, you really are treated like shit because they're like, oh great, we don't have to follow the contract like we've been doing with our union workers. Like, of course they're going to get away with paying you less. Right, right. You know, because that's the thing. That's why, like, bosses are never going to just be nice to you and give you what they want because they like, like you or something. Like, that's not how this works. It's a power balance. And a way to create any sort of balance is for the workers to come together and take back the power they're unionizing <laughs> yep so exactly i have another quote here from a history of america in 10 right that really speaks to the everyone is a worker kind of spirit which is strikes are moments of mm -hmm. tremendous power precisely because they raise the stakes bringing private moments of poverty and workplace indignity into the public spotlight and unless you are a millionaire boss we are all workers with a tremendous mountain common of other workers. If we only realize that all of us, farm workers and teachers, insurance agents and construction workers, graduate students and union staffers, face bad bosses, financial instability, and the desperate need for dignity and respect on the job. So, um, yes. yes, like, I think that that's- What a lovely woman. Oh, I love that. Yeah.
I think a lot of people who are workers don't realize they're workers in this country because it's in the interest of like capitalist class, which largely controls our government for us to not think we're workers and for everyone to be like, you know, a temporarily embarrassed millionaire who is going to make it one day. But I think strikes do a good job. A lot of there, if it's a good strike of like showing the public that we are all workers, like you hear them talk about, you know, why they're out on strike. And then you're like, wait, I don't have like, you know, like, I don't like maybe like our health insurance is too expensive. And you're like, wait, my health insurance is too expensive. Like, you know, and you realize that you have things in common with people striking. And so then right. to, to see them actually like withholding their labor for something that you too also like suffer with is a very powerful thing. And so there have been some like strike with like the, the strike wave newsletter whose shirt I'm wearing was founded in the wake of the, the literal teacher strike wave that happened in 2018 and 2019, where there were like a bunch of wildcat strikes in like a lot of a lot of Southern uh, like Oklahoma, West Virginia, like a lot of places where Republicans have defunded education for like a really long time. So the teachers working conditions and students learning conditions are awful. And so I think that that created a lot of awareness, like awareness of unions and the fact that unions are actually usually invested in the greater good of the community, you know, like their students. <laughs> and I think that we're in a really exciting time right now. I think that there was a lot of really cool actions that happened during the pandemic around worker safety, where people walked off the job when they didn't feel safe. And I think that a lot of people became really aware of the inequalities in our in our country. So I would like to think that this sister sister strike energy is only growing in our current day, however many, you know, 20 years later. I love it. Yeah. And then one other thing I wanted to talk about that we talked about in our last union episode, but I'm going to talk about it again because it's still not passed, is that we need to pass the PRO Act, the Protecting the Right to Organize Act. And if you want a tangible action that you can take, calling your senator, writing your senators, telling them that you support the PRO Act is always something you can do. But in this particular scenario, it would have helped because the PRO Act would prohibit companies from permanently replacing workers who participate in a strike. So, like, if this strike was to have gone on longer, like, and the PRO Act and the PRO Act was passed, like, they wouldn't be able to, like, permanently replace striking workers and workers like Tia and Tamara. And then also the PRO Act removes pro- prohibitions that workers have for acting in solidarity with workers at other workplaces. And so that obviously is something that if that passed, it would be if, some, if one company was on strike, like, or one group of workers was on strike, workers from other campaigns, from other unions would actually be able to like act in solidarity in ways we're currently prohibited from doing. So there's a lot of bullshit in our labor law that like, even I, like, I, God bless labor lawyers, you know, like, I don't, I don't understand the intricacies like they do, but there's a lot of just like really fucked up shit that, that completely favors employers in our labor law. And if we get, we're the half the pro act, which largely hinges on us abolishing the filibuster, racist ass institution that it is, there would be so many, so many people would be able to unionize because it would take away so many barriers to unionizing that already exist. And we know that this country is more pro-union than the actual amount that are in unions because our labor law is broken. So yeah, I had to do a little plug for the PRO Act and I will definitely put, you know, as we've said, about the PRO Act in the show notes. I, I, I have one more labor notes quote. Should I close out with it maybe? And then we'll say our goodbyes. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Yes. Yeah. So this is from Why Strikes Matter, once again, from Labor Notes, which is a really dope publication that you should definitely support. So from 1947 through 1981, there were hundreds of such big strikes each year. 
Last year, and this was written in 2019, last year there were 20. The decline in the strikes is a reflection of unions diminishing power and numbers and a reason for it. But strikes aren't dead. Over the years, it has gotten harder in some ways to strike and win. Some of the best tactics have been outlawed. Some of the best sources of leverage have been neutralized. A hundred years ago, striking took physical bravery. Your employer might hire armed thugs to attack you. Today in the U.S., that's less likely. Employers have found more sophisticated ways to weaken strikes. Still, it takes real courage to walk out. You might lose your job, and a court might deem your firing legal. If striking is illegal in your state or sector, you might have to break the law. If union leaders are reluctant to strike, you might have to out-organize them. Or the union could miscalculate. You could find you don't have enough leverage to win. You might have to walk back in empty-handed. Workers today have to soberly assess their power up against rich, complex, global corporations. Sometimes a strike alone may not be enough to win. It might have to be part of a larger campaign. But the strike itself remains a powerful tool, economically powerful, personally transformative to the participants, and inspiring to the public. End quote. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That was lovely. Yeah. Perfect ending. Yes. Love it. So we love Sister Sister. I highly recommend that you go and watch it if you just want to like laugh and look at a lot of cool hats from the 90s because <laughs> they wear a lot of hats. <laughs> and get all the hats. All the hats. <laughs> so many colors, so many styles. <laughs> um, yeah. Any, do you have any other final thoughts? I think my final thoughts are just like, I love Sister Sister. I think that Black women are have traditionally been in the role of leading the labor movement and are currently, I believe, a lot of the core industries that are unionizing like crazy right now are, uh, including like Amazon workers, are Black women-led movements, and we should listen to Black uh-huh. women. Black women. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thank you, Liv, for coming on. It's always a great time. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and yeah, lots of resources in the show notes for our listeners. If you have, you know, the inclination to learn more about unionizing, labor, strikes, all of that fun stuff. And otherwise, we'll see y'all next time. Thanks for listening to Leftist Teen Drama. Follow us on social media for updates. Links to our Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and TikTok are in the show notes, along with links to suggested additional reading on the topics discussed. Solidarity forever, free Palestine, and abolish the PIC. Signing off, Maria. Maria.